Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. Alright, it's kind of a short lesson tonight, but some of you might never have given any thought to, but it's a really neat lesson, and it's got a couple things to teach us. A couple bad, a couple good. So it's a really interesting lesson, and it's really balanced. But before we dig into Joshua, you need a little background as to what's happening here. So to explain to you what's happening in this part of Joshua, we got to jump back to Numbers. And let's look at what the Bible says. The tribes of Reuben, Gad, owned lots of livestock. A lot of sheep, a lot of goats, a lot of livestock. So when they saw the lands of Jazer and Gilead, were ideally suited for their flocks and herds. Now, I don't know about y'all, if you've seen pictures of the Holy Land, you might think all of it's desert. That is not true. All of Israel is not desert. There are parts, especially close to the rivers, that are beautiful and lush and green. And there are parts of Jordan on the other side that are beautiful pasture lands. And so Reuben and Gad had tons of livestock. They saw the lands of Jazer and Gilead were ideally suited for their flocks and herds. They came to Moses and Eleazar, that's Aaron's son, Eleazar the priest, and the other leaders of the community. This is back in Numbers. You see what they say? In the next slide. There we go. They said, notice the towns of Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Eliala, uh, Sigma, Nebo, and Beyond. The Lord has conquered this whole area for the community of Israel, and it's ideally suited for all our livestock here. If we found favor with you, let us have this land as our property, instead of giving us land on the other side of the Jordan. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I, I don't get a lot out of reading words like that. So just to set the scene for you, they are coming at the promised land and they come up the east side of the Jordan and they get there and they, the, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh all come to Moses and says, this looks great right here. Look at all this grass. And you know we're, we're herdsmen. We got a lot of livestock. This, this looks fine. We, we don't need to cross over Jordan into what God said let us just settle right here. So i got a map for you to kind of show you. Because I can't get it out of reading. They're coming up this way. And they come here. They cross the Jordan up here. And so now with Joshua, they have come all this way. And they're about to cross into the promised land. Now, if you look last week, you saw that promised land did include these lands. But God had told every one of them, cross the Jordan. God had said, don't, don't stop there. Take everybody across the Jordan River and begin settling land on this side. Here. But see, Reuben... Gad and half-tribe of Manasseh, they all saw this green and this was pretty and what? 
We don't need to cross the Jordan. We don't need to fight anybody. See, there ain't nobody to fight in this country, in this territory. It's uninhabited. They don't have to win any battles here. They can just, and here's the word for the night, settle. And that's what they asked. Moses, let us settle here. Now, like I said at the top, this lesson teaches us some good, some bad. But let's start where it starts. Number one, the danger of good enough. One of the primary temptations of the devil, if he can't keep you from getting saved, if he can't stop you from getting free, his next attempt is to try to get you to not enter in to everything Jesus purchased for you when he saved you. Guys, that is the point for us in 2024. If, I mean, if I was, I'm sitting here looking out across this congregation, on a midweek, this, this time, February, you're going to have primarily people who know the Lord come to church on Wednesday night. But the danger here, if you were to tell me, oh, I tell you, you, see, you need to just abandon the Lord and abandon your walk with the Lord, now, that temptation won't work with me. How many of y'all have been too far with Jesus to turn around now? No turning back, no turning back. But you know, knowing that temptation won't work on us, what does the devil then try to get us all to do? That's good enough. You've come far enough. You, hey, look, you know what? You're out of Egypt. You're saved. You're free. And, and look right here. You're even baptized. You, you've walked through the water. You've come through dangers and trials. And you've gotten this far. You know what? This here looks good enough to me. Let's sit down. Let's get comfortable right where we are. Why in the world would we hassle Continuing on. If we cross that Jordan, there's people over there to fight. If we continue on. And, and I'm telling you guys, this is the huge danger for us who believe. It's not a danger of turning around and going back to Egypt. The danger is, oh, this looks pretty good. This looks fine. I... I'm good, Lord. I, don't, I, I know what you said. And see, this is where we get into trouble, guys. God, I know what you said. But I'm okay without all of what you said. I don't need to go forward on into it. These two and a half tribes, seeing just how beautiful and green, especially up north in Bashan, the thick grass of the Golan Heights, on the east side of the Jordan, so beautiful, so lush. They said, we like it here. We don't want to cross over. Can, can we just have this? Now, it was technically part of the promised land. But God said, everybody crosses over Jordan. Now, what's the problem with settling for good enough? What? I mean, it's good enough. Is it good enough? Well, guys, here's, here's one of the main problems of them and us settling for good enough. When you trade the promise of God for good enough for now, you don't know what you're trading away. These Israelites, 
who decided to stay. Go back to slide, please. These folks who decided to stay here, here, and here, they made the choice without ever seeing what's on this side. The only two people that had even set foot in the promised land at this point was Joshua and Caleb. The only ones. And so what the devil will try his darndest to convince us all to do is look here. Diane, this is good enough. I mean, you don't need it. You don't need to press in. You don't need to work in your, in, on your walk with the Lord. You don't need... Oh, Lord, don't... That pastor's crazy. You didn't do that fast today, did you? Don't, you don't need to push, push in. This is fine. And what you're trading away is an unknown quantity until you cross Jordan. If you haven't crossed Jordan yet, if you haven't walked in what God purchased for you, if you haven't gone in... How do you know what you're trading away? You're saying, well, this is good enough. I don't need that. But you don't know what that is. That might be something so much better. Ten of the spies that went in were dead. They're the only ones else that had seen this land flowing with milk and honey. Giant grape vines. The Bible says that they had a single bunch of grapes that was so big it took two guys carrying it on a stick on their shoulders between them to get that bunch of grapes back over to Moses when they sent in those first spies. My old Mississippi pastor used to put it this way. One of the greatest mercies God ever gives us is he doesn't show us what we could have had if we had just obeyed the first time. And I always think, gosh, what a significant thought that is. Because when God says, Ron, I want you to move forward, son. I want you to pick up. I want you to really, I mean, work, move forward. Now, Ron decides, for whatever reason, no, God, I'm going to be self-ruling. I don't need that. I'm going to just camp right here. God is merciful. Will God not forgive Ron that sin? No, of course he'll forgive. But you know what? You don't ever know what you miss by not obeying when you originally said go. What could the Israelites lived in for 40 years? Instead of going in a tidal circle around the wilderness over and over and over. What could Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh live in if they had just said, Okay, God, doesn't matter if it... Guys, do you know why we settle for good enough? Because a lot of times God's promise is a hassle. It's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us more effort. It's going to cost us more time. It's going to cost us more to do what God said all the way out. But anybody here ever try to raise a child? Does anybody know what it is to encounter a child of yours who practiced partial obedience? And then they had the gall to tell you, well, I did it. I, Mom, I did it. You ever ask a child to rake, sweep, clean? You ever come up back behind a child and go, that ain't clean. You might have hit a lick at it with a rag, but that ain't clean. That, and then they have the gall to look at you. 
I did it. No, if you don't finish, you haven't done it. And I want you to think about this. Think of the Bible stories you know. The ones you, you know. And then think about some of the people that you personally know. People who had awesome potential, but some flaw, some lack of discipline, some lack of follow-through, sabotaged their plans and their potential. It's a kindness when God doesn't show us what could have been, where we could have gone and we'd have been obedient in the moment. But y'all, that ought to spur us to more obedience. Even if you can't see all of what God is offering you, take the promise. Take the promise. Take the promise every time. Next is the effect that your settling has on people around you. Do you know in America, we just about have this idea of, well, even if what I'm doing is bad, I'm not hurting anybody else. I'm just hurting myself. Have y'all heard anybody ever say that? Well, I mean, that may not be right, and that may not be good, but I'm, just, I'm not hurting anybody else, as if that makes it okay. Guys, our settling has an effect on other people around us. Go back to Numbers when they first started talking about settling, and look what Moses says to them. This is Moses telling that bunch, Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, back in Numbers, why do you want to discourage the rest of the people of Israel from going across to the land the Lord's given them? Your ancestors did the same stupid thing when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. He says the spies did the same thing. They said we don't have to cross that river and go into that land. And guys, when you settle you are discouraging other people around you from entering into their promise too. Anybody here ever tried to lose weight? Anybody ever have that friend who ain't on a diet and wants to make sure you're not on yours either? You know what I'm talking about? That, oh, it's just one donut friend. You got anybody had that friend? Or whatever it is. I mean, when you get out, I've known people trying to quit smoking. And you know who are the worst to try to help you do that? People who are continuing and they don't want to feel bad because you're stopping. And so they're what? Well, come on, just have a donut with us. Just enter into guys, I'm telling you, when you settle, when you stop short, it encourages the people around you to go, well, I mean, Court's stopping short. He he loves Jesus. He's a good guy. I guess it is good enough. When the truth of it, any of y'all ever had that friend that loved Jesus more than you did? Any of y'all ever encountered that person at youth camp back in the day? I'm talking about somebody really in love with Jesus, on fire for God. What do those people do? They spur you on to do more than you normally would. They spur you on to move in, to get closer to Jesus. But guys, it is a fallacy and a deception to think that what you do only affects you. It's not true. If you catch fire for God, you will ignite other people. And if you sit down and douse yourself and settle, you will have an effect on other people. Let's go to the next. There's an inherent vulnerability of good enough. There's a built-in 
vulnerability in settling. And the problem with this one, this danger, this vulnerability, it doesn't always show up immediately. It's always a problem when somebody wants to get right up to the edge of God's promises but never ends up going into them fully. First problem that happens, go back to the map because I want you to understand what's going on here. By the time we get to Joshua 22, everybody's got some land. We're 22 chapters in now. Everybody's got some land. And these people in the colored sections, Manasseh, and Reuben, are coming home. They've helped everybody else get their land, and they're coming home. But see, they're crossing this major river. Well, guys, it's nothing for us to cross a river these days. I mean, there's 15 ways you can get across the Mississippi. But in this day, crossing the river was a deal. Especially as a big group of people. But think about it, guys. If we took just the people that are here tonight to the edge of the Mississippi with no bridge and all of us want to get to the other side by tomorrow, how would we do that? Find the shopping spot. <laughs> Well, I mean, if there's no ferry and if there's no bridge. Think it through, guys, because this is the culture they're living in. These folks in the colored section on, on your right, they're going home. And you know what they do in Joshua 22? They build an altar to the Lord. And when they build an altar to the Lord on their side of the river, because... You know what? It'd be something to get to Jerusalem on the other side, even once a year. They build an altar to the Lord on their side. And you know what happens? All the bunch on the left side, Issachar, Zebulun, Naphtali, and all these tribes, come after them in war to kill them. And when they arrive at the Jordan River, they say, why would you tempt the Lord like this? The place for the Lord's tabernacle is in Jerusalem. Everybody knows that's where the tabernacle is. Why are you making the Lord mad at all of us by setting up a separate temple, a separate altar, a separate place of worship? And the bunch over here, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh said, we're not trying to do that. We're not trying to set up a division. But the bunch on the, on the correct side of the river said, you have made a division because you stayed on this side of the river. And the bunch on in Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, you know what they said? We're wanting an altar on our side of the river so that years and years down the road, when our kids say, we're not real Israelites, we don't really belong to Israel, we can say, no, 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 we are one people. See, we got an altar too. And see, there is an inherent division when you've got some folks settle and some folks move forward into promise. There's a division. And all it caused, guys, all it ever caused for Israel was trouble. It was trouble. Now, there's a secondary problem with settling over here. And one that unless you read the scripture and look at the map, you don't see it. But if you will look at the scripture... 
every time Israel is, is attacked from Assyrians, from Persians, from all the, the people who be Babylonians, who are the first to get attacked? It's coming from up here. Do you see that word at the top? Aram? That's where you get Aramaeans. See this word here, Ammon? That's where you get Ammonites. See here, Moab? That's where you get Moabites. Eventually, Babylon will come and carry the nation of Israel into captivity. If you know anything about how the Bible progresses, by the time we get to Jeremiah, they're being carted off into captivity. Well, guys, who goes first? Who goes years before anybody else? Reuben, Gad, Manasseh. Y'all have heard somebody somewhere talk about the lost tribes of Israel? When the Assyrians come and take off Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh first, and they're the ones, they're gone for years before the second wave of captivity comes. Guys, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh never come back. The Assyrians scatter them to the winds and they never come back. There's a vulnerability. They, if they were on the correct side of the Jordan, there would have been this water barrier and there would have been a solidarity with all the rest of the tribes. But there's not. They're stuck out here by themselves because everybody else has moved into God's promise. And guys, it was much harder to get the bunch on the left. It's much harder to carry them off into captivity than it was to carry off the two and a half smaller tribes. If you look at population, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh had tons of livestock, not tons of people. Not a bunch of people. And so they were sitting ducks. You know, it doesn't, the Bible, there's no verse that says that. But if you will look, every time Assyrians come, Babylonians come, folks from Persia come, guys, it, these are the folks that hit, get hit the hardest and get hit the most every time. The big lesson for us is, guys, I don't know how to say this other than just to say it. Even if God says, okay, that's not my original plan, but I'll let you have it. Hear your pastor who loves you tell you the truth. You don't want to talk God out of his original plan. You don't want to talk God out of His best, His promise, His first. Guys, what are we talking God into here? Even if God says, okay, I'll let you have your way in this one thing. You know, it was a real moment of revelation for me one day when it dawned on me that I never have a better idea. I'm just never going to have a better idea than God. And when I want something that God either clearly in His Word, y'all, there are a lot of times things I want, God clearly in His Word has already said, don't do that. But I, like a five-year-old, but God, I want that. 
Anybody here over five years old? You know what I'm saying? There are other times God communicates to my heart, Joseph, this is my best for you. But in my typical five-year-old way, guys, I just, I turn out to be as human as anybody. And, well, God, I want it this way. And so I try to talk God into seeing it my way. And even if God sighs and says, okay, okay, if you won't have it any other way, you can have, guys, hear me say this. There are times when God will give you what you're asking for. He will relent and He will give you. If you just won't have it any other way, He will at times say, Okay, Diane, you got to have it that way? Try that. Let's see how you like it. But believe me when I tell you, you don't want your plan B when God's trying to hand you His plan A. You want his plan A. Every time. Every time. There's a vulnerability in having it your way. Last point for the evening. I told you it's going to be a little bit shorter tonight. We all fight till we win. I also told you there was a good sermon point here as well as some negatives. But this is the good one. When these two and a half tribes originally asked Moses back in Numbers if they could just settle here and we have this land. We don't need to cross over Jordan. Moses said, well, God promised us right now we need to cross over Jordan. And if you want to stay here, you can. But hear me say this. You have got to send your fighting army, your standing army, your men, your young men. They go over Jordan and they fight in the battles in the promised land. Until everybody gets their inheritance. Because you're deciding, hit me on the map one more time. Just because we got here first and you're settling and you don't want to cross Jordan. No, 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 no. The rest of us are going. And you three, two and a half tribes, you've got to send your fighting men with us. Until everybody. See guys, if they hadn't done this, the ones on the outskirts, Asher, Naphtali, Simeon, Judah, they would have been out in the cold. If, every, if you were dropping people every time you settled, you see what I'm saying? Well, we got ours. Guys, why am I preaching this on Wednesday night in 2024? Because you know what most Christian people do? They pray for therefore, no more shut the door. Think about it, guys. The bulk of your prayer time in the last seven days, has it been for you and yours? The fighting you've done spiritually, has most of that been for you and yours? See, Lord, bless me. Bless my job. Protect my kids. My stuff. And when I'm okay, then I'm okay and I have more of a tendency to just sit down on you, Lord. I'm, all, I'm good. I got my inheritance. When the, the Bible point here is, no, you might have your inheritance, but nobody sits till everybody rests. Okay. Nobody 
quits fighting until everybody can quit fighting. Look at the scripture in Joshua. Joshua says to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua says, Remember the word that Moses, servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you rest, and you can have this land. He will give you this if that's what you want. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock, they can stay here. In this land, Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But you will cross ahead of your brothers in battle formation, ahead of your brothers. You're going to lead the fight for their land. You're going to be out in front, all your valiant warriors, and you shall help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he's given you. So they also possess the land which the Lord your God has given them. Then, when everybody has theirs, then you can cross back over Jordan and come back into your own land. Take possession of that which Moses, servant of the Lord, gave you beyond Jordan. So the principle happens in the New Testament as well. Let's look at this in the New Testament and we're done for the night. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Conceit is, it's all about me. But with humility, consider one another is more important than yourselves. Well, that's easy to do, isn't it? That's a blessing. In humility, consider one another more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also look to the interests of others. And then one more. At this present time, this is Paul in 2 Corinthians, there is a need in the church in Jerusalem. There's, there's a famine, there's a terrible need in the home church in Jerusalem. Corinth is way up there by Greece in the, in the Mediterranean. If you're looking at the Mediterranean and there's Israel down here and the Turkey and Greece over here, Corinth is in the bottom part of Greece. We're talking way away. But look what he says. At this present time, your abundance, y'all's giving, your, your help, serves as assistance for their need so that their abundance may also serve as assistance for your need. What that says is we all take care of each other because your time is coming. Every one of us will be in need at some point. So that there may be equality. As it is written, now he's quoting the Old Testament, the one who gathered a bunch didn't have a bunch left. And the one who gathered a little had no lack, did not have to live. Guys, the biblical principle for us here is, and this is, this is what we're going to end with tonight, is the good, the wonderful concept is, we are not as concerned with equality or even fairness as we are with the concept of, is everybody taken care of? Is everybody provided for? Is everybody's home safe? Is everybody's home fought for? Is everybody's home... Until we all can rest, is what Moses tells us. Until everybody can rest, nobody can rest. Is everybody taken care of? Let's stand up. We'll have a word of prayer. I thought it was a short little lesson and kind of a quirky one, but it, it really is, had some valuable things in it. Let's pray together.
Father, we are so grateful for your word. And Lord, even in the least of details, there's always something in it for us to grab a hold of. God, help us. Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.